Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing on this fine, fine day? Alan, I am doing great. Spring is just around the corner. I got to spring in my step, as far as you know, and I just, I just can't wait. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad you're in a good mood. I'm looking forward to today's episode. Today, we're covering season two, episode 13, The Setup, which features guest star Will Arnett and a few others. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. I'm looking forward to this one, Mark. Oh, I am too. This one falls into the category that I definitely remember this. For for me, there were uh, several iconic moments that, that I went, oh, yeah. So this is going to be a fun one. Yep, me too. All right. Well, this episode first aired on January 14th of 2010. This was the first episode after the Christmas break. Um, Christmas Scandal, I believe, was the last episode we had right before this. It ended 2009. This episode was written by Katie Dipold and directed by Troy Miller. Um, we've actually seen both these names before already at this point. Uh, Katie, uh, you know, as I mentioned last time, she directed that Ghostbusters reboot with Melissa McCarthy and the rest of the folks there. Mm -hmm. Um, she was a writer on mad TV. She wrote 11 episodes of parks and rec up to this point. She has already written beauty pageant for us and she'll have several, you know, uh, I guess nine more. The math is right there. Nice. And, uh, but was a story editor on, on dozens literally of episodes and probably played a role in shaping them into what they were. So thank you, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. And Troy Miller uh, was a director, is a director, producer, writer. Um, you know, we know him from things of uh, like Flight of the Concords, Arrested Development and the movie Jack Frost. Nice. Uh, and he's got seven Parks and Rec episodes in his hip pocket. Uh, and to this to date here, he's already done Ron and Tammy and Tom's divorce. Right. We got a couple of veterans. Yeah, we got some vets. Yeah. So nice. And I mentioned we had uh, guest star Will Arnett mm-hmm. um, and also guest star Justin Thoreau. Um, Mark, do you, do you know Justin very well? Uh, I do not. Tell me about him. You know, yeah. So what I like about, well, one, you know, I, he's oddly handsome. That's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> not in this episode, though, which is crazy. I showed it because I knew him. Well, what? It's the hair. The hair? Yeah. It, it is. Mm-hmm. That's why I paint mine on and it just, it's not working. Every time it rains, it just runs. It's like a, just like a Giuliani thing. I, I, I do agree with you though. I think that's a great way to describe me. He is oddly handsome. To, to me, his widow's peak is not bad, but it's so sharp and distinctive. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like an island. <laughs> like, well, I think he's got two yeah. inlets officially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hair club could do something for that. But, but, you know, I actually know him from a HBO show called the leftovers and I, I, and I'd seen him before he's been in quite a few movies, actually, usually character parts, but, um, yeah, no good actor and, and actually a pretty funny guy. And, you know, I, I've, I've kind of, you know, danced around the comedic scene of, of all of these folks who are involved in making this show in terms of my research. And he pops up over and over again. He's friends with a lot of people and he's obviously a really funny guy in real life, too. So I think that's how he probably got the gig. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, okay. I liked him in this episode. I thought he was good. Yeah. And speaking of funny guys, uh, Will Arnett, of course, we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, who I believe at the time was still married to Amy Poehler. Yes. 100% married to her. And then finally, one other really funny guy who, you know what, let's just talk about him later. Oh, good call. Let's do that. I'll just say his name rhymes with Schmon Schmalfio. Yeah, I don't know what you're schmocking about. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, Mark, I think that's it for the intro. Would you like to walk us through our synopses? I certainly would, good sir. All right. Well, you know, after the- first of all, I, I believe last week, this is worth saying, right? We had something like 17. No, I think it was actually five, five plot lines. Right. And with so many and so much to talk about, we actually broke that episode in half. So I'm hoping we don't have to do that again here. Well, me too, Alan. Let's let's go to the board and see what we got here. I, I, right. I agree with you, though. After the smorgasbord of uh, of story breakdowns and Christmas scandal, good Lord. I mean, anything less than double digits now is going to seem like a letdown, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, but so for this week's episode, honestly, it didn't do too bad. Now, I want you to counterpoint me here, as you always do. I have it as having a respectable three stories in A, B, and C. Me as well. All right. So, um, you know, Alan, uh, the viewers may know, uh, I think I'm very funny. And so, uh, I know. The jury's out on that, by the way. Well, I mean, so anyway. We're going to put a poll on the website. Is Mark as funny as he thinks he is? No, don't. don't. Yes, no, and no way. No, don't. It, I, they'll say, just let's just assume yes. So anyway, the, so we got the A story here. Uh, and uh, I didn't do a very good job here. Okay. The, the A story's title <laughs> is, uh, I was going to do Leslie and Chris a love story, but I can't think of another way to do that. So I said, Leslie and Chris colon badgers versus hoosiers <laughs> all right <clears throat> so that the, works <laughs> so the summary here is um trying to get leslie back in the dating pool after officer dave moved away and set her up with an mri technician she knows hoping that they will hit it off alan you're not going to believe this but the date doesn't go real smoothly uh, strangely enough really uh, what will happen can love find a way through all the shenanigans stay tuned to find out dot 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 that's that one nice all right. So then B story <laughs> I have as grumpy man in search of meat shield. Mm. All right. Not my best, but let's just go with it. I like it. <laughs> um, after a push to make government officials more accessible to the public, Ron is about to lose his mind and decides to finally invoke one of the perks his job has had all along. He's going to hire an assistant. But who will it be? Will they get along with the gang? Will they get along with Ron? Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. I like it. All right. And then finally, the C story I entitled, Some Things Are Beyond Saving, parenthesis. I'm looking at you, Justin. Wow. Just, I know. It's just, let's pretend I'm funny. It's, it, go, it goes better if we <laughs> pretend I'm funny. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Needing help with a legal issue regarding Lot 48. Anne puts Leslie in touch with a handsome, charismatic lawyer friend of hers. Uh, since Anne is interested in setting her up, Leslie tells Anne that she's interested in him. Uh, but Anne reacts in a weird fashion, making Leslie confused, making Mark jealous. What the heck is going on here? Wait and see. Dot, dot, dot. I like it. All right. I just called that one Jelly Mark. <laughs> see, I like yours better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. But but good synopsises. I think that's a good a good uh, breakdown of uh, the breakdown, if you will. And uh, you know what? I know we didn't. It doesn't sound like this week we tapped out our AKAs, right? I know last week we actually gave AKAs to all of the story arcs, and I think we just used up all of our creative energy. We had pretty much nothing left by the time we got to our real AKAs for the episode proper. No, Alan, you're exactly right. With Christmas scandal, we were running on fumes when we came to yeah. our AKAs, and yet. We had our one overlap. We did. Oh, 
All right. So what do we got this week? Let's see what happens. Well, you know, Alan, we should tell the uh, viewers at home that we never compare our notes uh, before this. So it's, it could be danger zone. We never know when our AKAs are going to overlap. Asteroids could hit the earth. We just we just don't know, quite frankly. So yeah, I'm totally going to go agree. forward with this. I'm a little tremulous. Uh, I, I didn't want to do one AKA because then you traditionally yeah. make fun of me. But so I, I thought I'll do two and that'll be somewhat respectable. So I got two AKAs. Um, the, uh, the, I guess the, the runner up AKA, I like the way you usually do it. And then you'll have yeah, the winner. No, I like that too. So my runner up AKA is from, um, a, a point where, um, Leslie's on her date and, um, uh, I, I don't want to, I know. So he's, mm-hmm. so Leslie's on her mm-hmm. date and, uh, they're at the, the imaging, uh, they're at an imaging building. Cause Leslie is apparently getting an MRI and, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and, uh, her date is commenting on uh, what he's seeing in her scan and he says you could go triplets right off the bat leslie did we avoid disaster we did oh thank goodness so close oh my gosh yeah everybody stand down we're defcon 4 it's okay you know when we get to that in the breakdown i am i'm interested to talk about that but okay but a good aka (laughs) fair enough so my my winner that's a pretty funny one but my winner is from my man crush ron and, okay. and it's, it's where it's one of the, to me, one of the iconic scenes that I definitely remembered when I first watched it as uh, you know, Thomas trying to help him by bringing in who he thinks would be a good assistant. And Tom doesn't do a great job. And Ron <laughs> very quietly without like uttering a, hardly a word, he's not moving a muscle. He says, <laughs> I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Oh my gosh. Uh, so that's my official submission. Nice job. So, so I, I feel like this week, because we were smarter about this, we, we probably both did better on AKAs. We know what's interesting. Minor, I have two as well this week. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I take a page from the, from the Mark book <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Mark co-host book and, and not do 17. Wow. It's a short yeah. book, but I'm glad you did that. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. So ironically, though, this week, both of mine are from guest stars. In fact, the same guest star. They're both Will Arnett lines in the character of Chris. Oh, wow. That's why I get a little nervous there because mm. that first one, we're, we're, we're there in the lab. My runner up is actually a little later in the episode. And, uh, you know, this thing has happened and there's a little bit of a scare. Mm. <laughs> he says, that almost happened to you. You were a smudge away. <laughs> just, that's good. I like that. Uh, that. That line left a mark on me. See what I did there? Wow. It left an Allen yeah, on me. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the, the other one is also from Chris. It's a little earlier in the episode. And <laughs> I just feel like not only does this, this just speaks to life. This is after he extinguishes the candle with his fingers and it doesn't go like he thinks it's going to. <laughs> and he simply says, it looks so much easier on the internet. Oh my gosh. How is that not a, an appropriate AKA for the age we're living in? I completely, Alan, if I had a nickel for every time that I've said that, <laughs> I would have nine nickels. Wow. Yeah. You would be a rich, rich man for half a day. I would, richer. Yeah, I could use it. Until you encountered a soda machine. Oh, in trouble. stupid soda. Thinks they're so I don't think you can get one. No, no, you're right. Maybe a phone call? <laughs> Maybe. No, not even that. Oh my gosh. Right, good luck finding a pay phone. I'm just going to stay at home. <laughs> safer there. (laughs) All right. Well, Mark, I think we're done with our AKA. Should we move into the episode breakdown? Yes, let's do that. Um, 
So let's, I guess we'll start at the very beginning. It seems like a good place to start. We got the uh, the cold open. It looks like it's about 74 seconds, decent size. They kind of went the, the route of plot relevant, I think, this time. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So we open up and uh, we're at City Hall and Ron is telling Leslie about a potential legal problem. I think the gang is kind of like in the bullpen type central area there. And it looks like the previous owners of Lot 48 are claiming illegal seizure of of the land and uh, Anne thinks her loyal Lorquist properties. No, that's right. That's right. Yes. And Anne thinks her lawyer friend, Justin may be able to help and offers his services to Leslie. And we also learned from Ron that uh, thanks to a stupid and worthless new push to make government officials more accessible to the public, he's being (laughs) bombarded by calls and in-person visits, which is driving him crazy. I think his quote was, this is my hell. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great cut. Um, yeah, I, I feel bad not only for Ron, but for the citizens that have to deal with Ron. Well, I mean, but it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, I love especially the lady that comes in and says, uh, you know, I made this in pottery class and it sucks. <laughs> that's, you know, clearly that's his fault. Totally. <laughs> well, that and the disturbing lack of benches in Ramsett Park. Look, who doesn't want to sit more? I get it. <laughs> yeah, the man speaks to my own heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from the cold open, Mark, I think then we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're into a normal episode. I'm going to say my first thing about this, and I'll mention this a few times throughout the episode breakdown, but there were two cuts of this partic- particular episode. Um, there's the producer's cut, right. which is kind of the bonus sites cut, if you will, um, which I think weighs in around 27 minutes and 26 seconds. Right. And then there's the normal cut, which would have been what NBC would have aired at the time, which comes in around 2134, which is very standard. I mean, in fact, that that specific number shows up over and over again. It's almost amazing that they can do that. Right. Um, But I reviewed both. Um, I think you definitely watched both. But I in my kind of breakdown of this, I I definitely looked at both and I tried to look at the differences between the two. And the very first time that there's a difference is actually during the intro, the theme music, uh, which they let just breathe a little more in the producer's cut to the tune of about 10 full seconds. Yeah. You know, I also noticed that they used, if you want to say like older uh, pictures, older clips, which I think are just, I think they have a standard longer uh, intro and it is the one that has the older pictures and then they have the newer, shorter one that just is now going to have the new clips. Correct. So. Yep. And I guess, you know, hey, that 10 seconds counts when you're trying to cram everything in the 21 minutes. Absolutely. We've said a lot about that before. Yeah. Yeah. But in the first scene from there, um, we we have our literally our section, second distinction, uh, the primary, uh, the standard episode, let's call it that, if you will, opens in Leslie's office. And uh, Justin, who is Anne's lawyer friend mentioned in the plot relevant cold open. That's right. Uh, is showing up at Leslie's office. Yeah, we hear a knock on the door and Justin walks in and, you know, he's a he's a nice looking, charismatic uh, civil litigations lawyer. And he and Leslie make some pleasant small talk, including their shared use of any friends of Anne as a friend of mine. And uh, I think also the unfortunate product uh, named Fire in a Can, uh, which, uh, <laughs> despite having a memorable snappy commercial, is apparently way dangerous. Um, and I think at this point, Justin also meets Tom, who takes to him immediately, maybe because of his nice suit. Um, at this point, Leslie tries to get Tom to stop gushing over him and kind of ushers them into an adjourning uh, conference room where I think she's got the setups of her legal issue already set up in there. Yes. 
Yeah, we see a little bit of overprepared Leslie here, don't we? Absolutely. Well, Mark, I think from here, uh, we're, we're going to find ourselves in the bullpen and April's about to come in late. And I want you to walk us through that. But I want to mention really quick, there is a in the producer's cut, there's a whole scene that's never actually in the final cut. Um, and it's basically just a short scene between Leslie and Anne um, and Tom. And it, it's about sandwiches. So anyway, it, it's just a really interesting like it, I think in general, what I saw and the differences were in the producer's cut, there's, I won't call them unnecessary scenes, but there's just some fun filler and a lot more room to breathe. And the whole Justin thing just gets set up a slightly different way. And I'd encourage anyone who can get a hand, get their hands on the DVDs um, to go out and, and get those and check out these scenes because they're pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I would agree with that just from my quick viewing of it. I mean, it doesn't address the plot a whole lot, but it's what I like to call flavor text. There you go. Yep. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. That's my new rapping name. <laughs> So, like I said, so from here, we're back in the bullpen. April's coming a little bit late. Yeah, April is rolling in at a leisurely uh, 12.15 p.m. <laughs> and she's ribbed a little by Tom and Jerry. Oh, it's like the cat and mouse. I say that every time. Um, Ron comes out and announces. Never gets old. It doesn't. Ron comes out and announces to the gang that more important than anything in this godforsaken world is finding me an assistant, which... <laughs> Apparently, he's always been able to have one, but he thinks it's a go figure, a waste of taxpayer money. Yeah. And he's opted not to until now where he I love his quote. He says, I need the taxpayers money to save me from the taxpayers. And he gives April a printed advertisement. That's how we pronounce it to to post at her college. And, you know, if you freeze frame as I know the kids are wont to do, um, they, they oh it looks like a sheet of paper, a white sheet of paper that's about yeah. not 95, 98% blank. And it simply says in very small font at the top, job colon, assistant to a man, period, low pay, period, apply at parks department, period. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Be careful. It's his only copy. This old copy is so wrong. <laughs> Yeah. 11 words says it all. And then Alan, as you pointed out, there's an extremely short scene after this where Leslie and Justin have arrived at the conference room. We see a great example of overprepared Leslie here. She's got everything laid out in right angles and in piles and color coded. (laughs) So, you know, they just start discussing specifics of the legal issue. Yep. I like it. From here, we're at the shoeshine stand and April is complaining to Andy about how she's being treated at the office. It's Alan, it's unfair that we can't all roll in at 12.15. Look, she was watching Swim Fan, first of all, which been there, done that. Um, well, you know why, though, Mark, right? It, because it was on. It was That was my next guess. Yes, because it was on. That's completely <laughs> valid. So, yeah, April's venting to Andy about how she can't wait to get the hell out of Pawnee when her internship is over, you know? And That's right. Uh, she also, by the way, suggests that Andy start selling his band CDs there at the shoeshine stand, which Andy thinks is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, like, why didn't he think of that? Andy does have a, a nice little thing at the end of this scene where he's he's telling April about kind of his writing, um, yep. you know, milieu. And it's like, oh, he's sure. like, I tend to write about what I'm doing, which we've seen before, by the way. And yeah, then he, he starts a little musical talking about writing yeah, about what, about I'm, doing. what I'm doing. And yeah. Now it's a catchy little ditty. singing about talking about writing about <laughs> so, very, very funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, what occurred to me here, too, is we call it the shoeshine stand, which, of course, it is. It's its primary function. But he's got just like a almost like a little mercantile shop over there. He's selling Alka-Seltzer and uh, I don't know, wipes and a little bit of everything. He's got like kind of a little general store going on. Well, you know, Alan, we know uh, absolutely that Mark has gone to him for some weirdly shaped condoms. So I think he's involved with oh, a lot of right. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He must have the hookup. He, he certainly does. Or hook down or whatever he needs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever it takes, Bob. <laughs> From here, we're back in the bullpen and, and Leslie's walking Justin out following their meeting and uh, they run into Mark and Ann. Yeah. Uh, Ann and Mark walk in and Ann instantly kind of gushes over him a little bit, goes over, gives him a hug and kiss, ask him to have dinner. Kind of completely forgetting Mark's there for a second, LOL. Yeah. Uh, so Mark introduces himself and, you know, Justin greets him and then there's awkward uh, uh, silence. Well, hold on there, Bob. <laughs> she actually does introduce him technically. Like, but it's a total afterthought and he's introduced as Mark, the city planner. Well, this is after Mark introduces himself. Oh, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I'll stop correcting you. Oh, except no, when no. you're actually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Done and done. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it was a little awkward scene. Just, you know, Justin's agreed to everybody. So Justin ends up leaving, just tells Leslie he's going to get I think this is like a Friday. So I'm guessing. Yeah. So he's like, I'll get back to you on Monday. I'm going to look at it over the weekend. You know, he cheerfully says goodbye to everyone. So he's very good natured. And then he leaves. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, not a lot happens here, but I think it's it's setting up a couple interesting things. Clearly that there's some dynamic between Anne and Justin that we're going to explore, right? right? Otherwise, why so awkward on the introduction right. to Mark the city planner? Mm-hmm. Not Mark, my boyfriend of months and months, right? Yeah. No, that's not necessary yeah. to, to volunteer at all. <laughs> Maybe not only volunteer, but hide on purpose. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the next scene, we're in Leslie's office. We've got one of our, our cool spy shots, and it looks like Leslie is uh, ready to get back on the horse, so to speak. Yep. Leslie's telling Anne she thinks she may be ready to date again, and Anne apparently is way excited to hear this, and she already has a couple of ideas. Leslie brings up the possibility of uh, Justin, and Anne pretty much shuts it down immediately, and she gets a little invasive and a little weird. Um, but she yeah. does promise to find someone awesome for Leslie and leaves to go do it immediately. Um I, I two quick notes on this. One is I really like Leslie's ending line where she warns Anne, you know, oh, just one rule. I don't want to date a twin because um, I've been tricked before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also just on a very quick, sweet note, I, I love the picture of Officer Dave uh, during the, the the talking head that she has here. I, I think it's a really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the one she stole from the police department. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think this is a sweet reminder that although she didn't come out and say she was like in love with him, I think she genuinely felt something for him. And I think she truly misses him. Yeah, no, it's like he's present because he's there in a pretty large picture on her desk. So we're, we're definitely reminded that she's in a period of transition. Yeah. And, uh, but I think you're right. I think it was definitely sincere, her feelings for Dave. She just, you know, she didn't want to leave Pawnee. Yep. And, you know, another one other quick point out here and we'll move on. But, you know, I, I, again, I loved when Leslie's describing her ideal man to Anne. Um, you know, he has the brains of George Clooney and the body of Joe Biden. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. I mean, it. what a dreamboat. I, I I tell you, you could do worse. I've Absolutely. always said Clooney brains is the way to my heart. <laughs> you know, one last thing here, Mark. Mm-hmm. I, and this is not about Anne and Leslie as much as it's about Amy Poehler and Rashida. When you watch this scene, 
watch Amy Poehler totally playing with Rashida Jones in this, <laughs> oh, oh, really? Why, why isn't Justin a good idea conversation? Uh-huh. And, and it's more than the characters doing this. I I almost I, w- I wish I could speak to them and find out how much of this might have been ad libbed or at least certainly the way it was played was done very playfully or, and, and pretty fun to watch. Amy trying to trip Rashida up or whatever. I think yeah. so. Something like that's definitely going on. <laughs> I it's, think you're it's, right. It's a little it's a little extra than your normal uh, interaction. Yep. So. Yeah. So from here, we get a real quick establishing shot of the courtyard being shoveled of snow. I think we're trying to you know, trying to remind us kind of where we are in the, the calendar year with this being that first episode, you know, kind of back from break, so to speak. And and we're in Ron's office here. Yeah, this is a very short scene. You know, we see Ron in his office on the phone. He's clearly irritated at all the public interaction that he's had to do. Um, Tom comes in and offers to help with his assistant search. Another call comes in and Ron pulls the damn cord right out of the wall and tells Tom, go get me an assistant. So apparently he's about to lose his mind. Yep. This scene's a little bit longer. It's it's still relatively in the same place in the producer's cut. Right after he pulls the analog phone out of the wall, um, he gets another call on his cell phone, which he then gets a hammer out and proceeds to smash it to hell. (laughs) I remember that. And then Tom says, how do you know that wasn't a member of the public and, and not just a friend? And, you know, he, he I think this is, I think this has been memed, but he says, yeah, my friends know I have a strict no call policy. Absolutely. So, That's how you know. Yeah. Yeah. But this sets up this storyline for the assistant. So short, funny, but important scene. Right. Yep. Well, from here, we move on and we're back in Leslie's office and Anne's coming in. She's excited. And I think she's got some news she wants to share with Leslie. Yeah, she's excited. She tells Leslie that she set her up uh, with the perfect guy, an MRI technician named Joe Bluth. I I mean, Chris, um, (laughs) who's a sorry, uh, who's very uh, cute and passionate about his job and and gives Leslie the deets. And then she leaves. Yep. So from here, we're at the restaurant and uh, Leslie's there to meet her date and looks like he's already arrived. Yeah. You know, I always try to get the the title of the restaurant because I'm very observant like that, Alan. I I see that there's an exterior shot and uh, the the restaurant's called the Car Horn, uh, I believe. Uh, Hold on, Mark. What's that? This Car Horn, the car like me is the name of the restaurant. No, I don't think that's right. Is Car Horn? It's not Car Horn. No, I don't think so. It's not? No, I think it's Cap Horn. It's not, but the Cap is spelled with the R? No, there's a street lamp there and I think it's covering up making it look as if there might be an R hiding behind it, but when in actuality, it's a P. So you're saying the R is silent? No, I'm saying it's not an R. I'm saying it's a P. All right. Well, we'll, it's, it's, we'll agree to disagree. They go, she goes, she goes into the car horn. It's, it's probably <laughs> cave horn. You're probably right. Uh, and, and Leslie meets uh, Joe, uh, Chris, uh, Will Arnett. Let's do that. And, and, you know, you at, at first he appears to be uh, handsome and charming and, you know, very pleasant, at least at first. And she actually yeah. has a very brief talking for about head 10 seconds, for about 10 seconds. You know, look, the first 10 seconds are his best for sure. And, <laughs> Clearly. and Leslie has a really quick talking head where she just simply says, well done. And, and like does a little wink. And we hear Chris in the back. Uh, I actually heard that. <laughs> and I, I think this transitions pretty quickly to the date proper um, itself. You know, they're they're introducing themselves and they start to make small talk. But as you said, we're past 10 seconds now. It quickly becomes apparent that Chris is uh, a little odd and, and more than a little rude. Um, you know, he's yeah. insulting uh, Hoosiers. He's disappointed that Leslie was. How a, dare he? I know. Uh, badgers, stupid. Badgers. Give me mother a Mother hump. 
he's disappointed that Leslie was in charge of parks and not amusement parks, you know, <laughs> strike, strike two. Um, yeah. And then he's going to amaze her uh, by trying to manually extinguish a tunnel and burning himself. Uh, apparently not as easy as it is on that. Their internet's there. He burns no. himself and, you know, has to dunk his finger in ice water, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, not only does he have to dunk his finger in ice water, he reaches fully across the table to put his fingers in her glass. Well, he's not going to drink from his finger. He knows where it's been. Well, right. And he's not thirsty. So <laughs> I do like at the very beginning of this, I mean, when there's first making small talk, you know, he's like, well, I went to Wisconsin for both undergrad and grad school. Uh, go Badgers. And then Leslie very playfully says, no, yeah. boo, Indiana Hoosiers. And he goes, no, no. Badgers. It's almost like Batman is chastising her. I, I feel like he channeled <laughs> Batman for a brief moment. I, I looked around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Hoosiers. It's Badgers. You know, Mark, another thing I liked about this, and, and this is in the producer's cut, it gets a, li a little even more awkward. Um, you know, I think Leslie has that line. It says, you know, it's funny how these, these are, these are always, these setups are just always so awkward. Right. Well, in the standard cut, you know, they just move on from that as, you know, as if he didn't make a comment. Well, in the producer's cut, he makes several comments and gets really defensive and weird really quick. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So if you like the whole awkwardness of this, definitely watch the delete. Well, not, watch the producer's cut, but also watch the deleted scenes, which we won't talk a lot about today because they are mostly alternate alternate takes of Will Arnett being weird on this date and uh, a little bit later in the episode. Right. All right. Well, from here, I think we're going to bounce over to Anne's house. Anne's on the phone and it appears that Mark is setting up a movie for them to watch. Yeah, they're getting ready to watch Marley and Me because who doesn't mm. like that? And uh, pup puppies. puppies. <laughs> and Anne is just getting off the phone with uh, Justin, who she has made lunch plans with the following day. And, um, and you know, as they prepare to watch the movie, Mark asks her a few questions about Justin. And it becomes clear he's a little uncomfortable with the way that she talks about him. And I think that's about all that happens in that scene. Okay, well, from here, we're back at the city hall and we're I think we established our shot. We're in the hallway outside the parks department and it looks like a few of the candidates have lined up for this position. Yeah, this is the first of several scenes where Tom is doing his interview interviewing shtick for uh, ostensibly Ron's assistant, even though he, they may be working for him in some capacity, uh, if he can help it. Um, and he calls in, uh, I think, uh, three different people here. And he's it becomes clear that Tom's not interested in being objective or you know useful or, no. or fair. He asks uh, trick questions. He asks the female candidates about their friends, be as superficial as possible. And he belittles uh, suggestions, for example, of what he should say to a girl that may be into him you know nothing really uh job related at least not as far as ron would be concerned so interesting yeah very interesting and this is another area where the producer's cut and the standard cutter are quite different frankly right things get really jumbled they're in different orders um you know when he the guy he he, he gives a trick question about which tie he should wear uh to the one guy um it, there's some stuff that didn't make it into the normal episode where he basically says, you know, look, I, the guy says, I didn't even know that one existed. He says, Hey, I had high hopes for you when I saw your plum V neck, but those hopes have been dashed. You can now leave. Yep. He blew it. So yeah, he blew it. <laughs> Well, from here, I think we're going to bounce back at the restaurant. Leslie and Chris's dinner is just getting weirder and weirder. Yep. 
It's a going down a weird hill, that's for sure. Um, so Leslie asked Chris about his job as an MRI technician. I think she's trying to kind of get the, the conversation on a little bit more solid ground. And Chris responds in a thoughtful slash creepy way, if that combo is possible, uh, you know, talking about being able to see inside everything uh, <laughs> from going ranging from someone's head to the, the bread on the table. And yep. Leslie, I think at the end of this, tries to politely kind of smooth things over and said, well, you know, anyway, it's good that you found your calling. I mean, I've never even had an <clears throat> MRI before. Stop the presses. He just That's looks right. at her, smiles. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and that tees up the next scene, which we're, we're apparently Pawnee's Logic Diagnostic Imaging Lab is just simply called PDI, Pawnee Diagnostic Imaging. Yeah, it seems right. Um, yeah. So they're inside the PDI building there, and uh, apparently Chris has offered Leslie a uh, free MRI scan. And Chris, he's spoiling her. He really is. She should be so grateful. Uh, Chris continues his rude slash creepy streak. Um, but I think Leslie is trying to bravely ride this out and give it a chance. Uh, I, I think there's a couple of talking head variations. The one in the normal show is something to the effect of, you know, I'm treating this as an adventure, just getting right back on that horse, even if the horse is crazy and wants to see inside my body. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then in the producer's cut, this is where we do have the scenes with Tom and the candidates. But and I think in the standard cut, we've got a real quick uh, interview scene. Not a lot happens with Tom. And then we're right back at the lab. Right. So Leslie is inside the MRI machine at this point, And Chris is asking her several questions through a microphone and speakers. And she, he's he's apparently trying to make small talk. But yeah, then, which pretty normal, right? I suppose. I mean, that's what happens when you get a CT scan. That's what I have always thought. But then he, I had one this week. Did you have a nice small talk? Uh, no. <laughs> well, then you go back and demand a refund. Yeah, I, I felt a little cheated once I heard all of the great banter between Chris and Leslie. Um, I, I think I want my $2,000 back. Well, either that or you deserve to be spoiled. Um, so, so but every time Chris asks her a question and he, and she, and she tries to respond, he gets irritated with her. She's, he scolds her and says, no, Leslie, you really need to stay still. I've, I've told you, Thank you Batman. I've told you a thousand times now. You really, you really need to stay still. I, I don't know how I can make this more clear to you. So yeah, his creepy streak continues as he talks about her quote, industrial size oven. I think this is one of my AKAs say, saying, you yes, know, with is. that thing, Leslie, you could go for triplets right away. So, you know, LOL and yuck. <laughs> yeah. And foreshadowing. Just saying. Uh, yes. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, it is. You're exactly yeah. right. Um, I, I do love one scene. I wanted to make a, a, a note of here where Chris is again, trying to make small talk. And he says, did you ever break your arm? And then he turns no. off the machine so he can, she can actually freaking answer him. And that's right. And she says what at first sounds like a charming little story. She goes, yeah, you know, one time I was on my bike and some boys were making fun of me. And so I chased him and I lost control, you know? So, okay. That's kind of cute story. Yeah. And then she says, I'm surprised you could see that. It was like three years ago. <laughs> I freaking love that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then Chris ends it by going, <laughs> Oh, I can't believe I turned off the machine for that. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a jerk he really is <laughs> uh, so speaking of people being jerks mm -hmm. we're over at ann's house and mark and ann look to be about midway through marley and me and ann's phone is starting to ring yep she gets a call from leslie and leslie just basically says look 
uh, Chris is nuts. The date isn't going well. And, you know, Anne apologizes, begs Leslie not to let this uh, sour her on dating, you know, and then we hear Chris yell, hey, no cell phones. And she hangs up, uh, which I thought was pretty funny because, uh, you know, there's a documentary uh, crew in there with her, but that's not a problem. Um, so <laughs> Anne and Mark then get into a heated conversation about Justin and why Anne isn't setting Leslie up with him. And it's not a fight yet, but it's going that direction. Yeah, no, they're, they're teeing up for, uh, for, for the big, for the big battle here in a few minutes. I do like Anne's, you know, statement about like, well, I don't see him together. You know, Leslie just got out of a relationship. I don't want Justin to be her rebound guy, you know? And Mark's like, yeah, that makes sense. Leslie is a notoriously cruel and thoughtless person. You're right. Yikes. <laughs> which is a funny comeback. But, I, I, you know, everything else aside, you know, which we'll get into with Anne, I, I can kind of see that at least, I guess. Yeah. Her motivation probably is a little different than she's letting on. But if that were it, I could get that. That's a concept that could be believable. I agree. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Well, from here, we, you know, we, we bounce back and I think we're going to see the conclusion of, of the date at the, if you want to call it that, that's going on at the lab as, uh, you know, Chris is continuing to spoil Leslie. And yeah, this is just pr really brief uh, scene. Leslie's out of the MRI machine and they're looking at her scans. And Chris says, oh, you got a really big brain. But she he, he looks again and thinks, oh, my gosh, you know, I think you have a, a shadow here, like a brain a, a abnormality or something. And it, and it greatly alarms Leslie, she's like, oh, my God, are you, you know, are you serious? You, you know, you think I should see a doctor about this? But it turns out it was just a smudge on the screen. <laughs> and Leslie, at this point, kind of stares at the camera. She's way pissed off. And we hear Chris go, that's crazy. Thank God I was here <laughs> <laughs> to, to, you know, to wipe that smudge off. Oh, my God. Well, and, and this again, you know, probably one of the last times I'll mention it. Another difference in the producer's cut. There's just more extra, you know, creepy Chris here. And this is where my actual other AKA came from. You know, he said, you know, can you imagine if you had to spend the rest of your life sipping steak through a straw? Oh, that, that sounds, almost happened to you. You were a smudge away. That sounds wonderful, actually. <laughs> oh my gosh you would be so lucky to slip steak through a straw i know you you shut your mouth and you'd be grateful for your straw steak <laughs> you know what i i think we have just discovered what pawnee's newest restaurant needs to be oh i i know one stew and me second straw steak love it constantine get on that okay <laughs> well, from here, we're back at Anne's house and I, you know, this, that fight that was brewing, well, it's, it's, it's hit its zenith here. Oh yeah. Round two, ding, ding. Uh, they're fighting now. Um, you know, in a nutshell, Mark thinks that despite the fact that Anne and Justin never dated, there's something weird about the way she talks about him. And Anne, eh, you know, admits that there may have been times they thought that maybe they would go out. Uh, Mark deduces from this that Anne is, quote, saving him, which Anne doesn't do herself any, you know, favors by half-heartedly denying it. So, like, come on. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, at this point, Mark opts to uh, angrily leave, but not before telling Anne the end of Marley and Me, which I thought was a little vindictive but funny. <laughs> It is vindictive and funny. And I want to bring it back up later. Okay. I'll just say right now that this scene has it all in terms of the differences between the two cuts. The standard cut actually has a line that's not even in the producer's cut, which is a little weird to me. Hmm. Normally, it's the other way around, yeah. right? But the scene, the line that kicks off the scene is where she says, Mark, I've, I, I've, never been, uh, I've never been out with him, I swear. Right. That's not in the producer's cut. 
that line's just not there at all. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And then this whole in her ear, you know, telling her, spoiling the movie for her thing, that's actually only in the standard cut and not in the producer's cut. But I'll bring that up again later. Interesting. All right. Following the fight at Anne's house, we're back to PDI and Chris and Leslie are walking back toward the parking lot. And I think this is going to wrap up day one for us. Right, right. Yeah, I think Chris maybe thinks in his weird little head that things are going well because he asks if uh, Leslie wants to go back to her place. Uh, Not self-aware at all. Whatever. Um, Leslie politely but firmly shuts it down and says this will be their last date. Chris is a little annoyed at this and storms mm-hmm. off and gets in the car. This only makes things more awkward as Leslie, you know, drove them there. So, <laughs> yikes. Uh, you know, Leslie is a get your MRI and get out kind of girl, apparently. I always knew it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, the next day we're back at the parks office and we're in the conference room and Justin is showing Leslie a legal instrument, as the kids say, or as the lawyers say, he's created for her. <laughs> I love those legal instruments. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're going over uh, some final paperwork uh, with them. Uh, she's very impressed with the results and it looks like she's continuing to be a little bit, a little bit smitten with him, you know, a sentiment that apparently is shared a bit by Donna, as we'll see. Um, Justin leaves and it seems like maybe Justin is a little bit interested in her as well. Maybe a little something's there. There's some, there's a spark. Let's just say that. Good one. Yeah. Good, good description. Yeah. Well, from here we're at the shoe shine stand and you know, Mark is clearly desperate because he's about to do something that we would not expect. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's not a lot to do with the shoe shine stand except, you know, see Andy about stuff and who does that, but, <laughs> but he's going to do it. So Mark is, is talking to Andy about Justin. So like you said, it, this must be really bugging him. And it becomes quickly apparent from what Andy says that Andy knows very well who Justin is and does not like him one bit because, you know, even, bit. even when he was dating Anne, it was so obvious that she was into him even then. Um, <laughs> and Mark asks Andy like, Hey, look, do me a favor. Don't tell Anne that we talked. And, and then he goes, okay, I won't. But then a few, immediately, uh, immediately a few seconds later, we see Andy approaching Anne in the hallway and he starts chastising her for her behavior, you know, and, and, and protests a bit. And then we see April come up and like, Oh, has Anne done something wrong? Tell me. And so Anne kind of drags Andy away a few steps, you know, so they could talk in private. And at first she says, you don't know what you're talking about playing the odds. Cause that would normally be yeah. true. But sure. He, he, Safe bet. Most of the time he actually does in this case, you know, yeah. uh, and and Andy tells Anne how when she would talk about Justin when they were dating, he would feel bad about himself. He wouldn't feel very important. And it was kind of rough. And Anne doesn't have much of a comeback to this. Um, and I did want to point out just an exchange that they had that I loved that near the end. You know, Anne is a little <laughs> somber about this and goes, well, you know, I didn't know that. And first, Andy says, well, maybe if you had, I wouldn't have left. And you see (laughs) Anne kind of glance at the camera. She's a little confused. And then Andy says, almost as if it's Jerry Springer. He's like, but now you do know, so you have to choose. It's either me or Justin. And at first, (laughs) Anne is just defiant. Like, I'm not going to choose. And she goes, wait, I'm dating Mark. Are you, though? (laughs) Yes. Uh And Andy's the idiot. Andy mugs to the camera and goes, ah, and holds his fingers like close together. He goes, oh, I was that close. Um, Oh, my God. 
You know, I, I was a little annoyed at first by this because I'm like, I, I like you and we've said this before. I'm ready for Andy to just to move on, move on, move on, move on. Right. And I'm like, oh, here we are again. I kind of actually think he's playing around here, quite honestly. I do think the Justin thing had hurt his feelings when he was experiencing it himself and he's relating to Mark. But I don't think this is a real attempt to still, you know, get back with Anne. See, that could be true, but I wasn't sure. I, I would have thought that if he also hadn't have kind of dug it in when Mark came to him, because he did have that short little scene where he's like, look, I, ha well, I, I, I hate Justin. You know, he, like she, here's he holds his hand up to a certain level. You know, here's how in love she is with Justin. Now, Mark, I'm way right. up here and you're somewhere down here, Mark. I'm way like, down okay, here, did yeah. you have to do that little dig? It's a good point. Okay. I mean, obviously he's, he's come to him with his tail between his legs already. How much can he beat the guy up? Right. Right. Exactly. No, good point. Good point. Well, maybe this is finally the last week and then Andy uh, will move on. We'll hope. tune in next week yeah, and find out. I know. Well, following the shenanigans there at the shoeshine stand, <laughs> uh, we're going to find ourselves in Ron's office and, and, and Tom is about to come in and produce the results he's been hard at work at and show Ron the, the, the success he's found. What do you think if we just play this clip, Mark? I think that's a great idea. Let's go for it. All right. Let's do it. Ronald, I've done it. I found your assistant and he's dope. <laughs> His name is Jean Ralphio. Jean Ralphio. Big T. Mr. Uh, Swanson, two things. One, it is an absolute honor to meet you. Two, who is that hot intern chick out there? Because honestly, <laughs> damn. <laughs> uh, take a seat. Right. Here we go. So, Jean Ralphio. You got him right here. Leave a message after the beat. Why do I want you as my assistant? Starters, access to the Illus Club. Yep. And that's just for starters. I will work for you. I'll be on you 24 seven. I'll be like your family. I'm here when you get here in the morning. Sure enough, I'll be there tucking you into bed at night. Don't worry, it's not gay. Do we have questions? I think our only question is, uh, when can you start? Right now, let's do it. Thank you for coming in. We will talk. <laughs> cool, feel good about this. I know you can hit me up on Facebook anytime, day or night. You know that, right? Take care, buddy. Boom. So what do you think of your new assistant? I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. <laughs> Yay. Message received. I'll keep looking. Thank you. Bring me the opposite of him. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> I don't know why I think that's so funny. He just so calmly. Oh. I want to just punch you in the face so bad face. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've all felt that way, but man, yeah, I, I would say it's fair to say that um, Tom missed the mark here. Yeah, just just a little <laughs> bit. Well, I mean, I think his primary mistake was he brought in who is essentially another Tom. Yeah, no, that's fair. Which he likes. Which he likes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, won't be the last we see of John Ralphio. Mm, very true. I do like John yeah, Ralphio. I do too. All right. All right. Well, from here, Mark, we're back at the shoeshine stand for a hot minute. Then we're back in Ron's office. And uh, tell us what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we see April and Andy uh, at the shoeshine stand. And apparently uh, Andy took April's advice and is selling his CDs there. And someone's looking at his CDs and asks Andy what kind of music it is. And Andy has some kind of like, this is awesome rock. I mean, just, you know, quintessential. Mark, it's, it, it's loud, fast, smooth, handsome rock. Ah, uh, which was the name of my college band. Wow. Yeah. You liars. Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, you know, April knows exactly the right stuff to say. Now, this she is does. blowing up on iTunes. And he's like, oh, well, if it's blown up on iTunes, I better get it. And he yeah. pays Andy for it. Andy is so freaking impressed and excited and tells April, you are amazing. 
I like when you hang out here. And there's just like a two second shot and April's kind of gazing up at him and kind of smiling. Like I kinda, she, she's got the biggest puppy dog eyes ever. Like, this is why I can't understand why Andy is not more clear about what the hell is happening. She is clearly smitten with him. Yeah. She's clearly into him. And then uh, yeah. and, well, on account of he's dumb though, that's why he doesn't get it. I guess. But then we see a few seconds later after Andy has just told April, you are amazing. I like it when you hang out here. Yep. We see April walk into Ron's office all of a sudden and say, I want to be your assistant. Yep. I think Ron's confused <laughs> at this and says, you hate it here. And she goes, so do you. He's like, all right. Yeah. He nods an yep. acknowledgement, you know, um, and he's like, I, look, I'll, I'll protect you. Like, I'll be your meat shield. You know, I'll make sure you don't have to go to meetings. I'll, I'll scare people away. And just then, almost as if the universe wanted to prove her point, Tom walks up. <laughs> hey, April, you know, what do you think of these ties? Slams Ron's door right in his face. He says, you're hired. <laughs> awesome scene. Yeah. And she's got that quick little talking head where she said, hey, I figured I might as well just get paid for being here. Yeah. 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 Good cover. So- Good cover. Yeah. <laughs> well, from there, we've got another couple scenes kind of back to back. We've got Mark. Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> we've got Anne coming back to City Hall and she's got some gifts and probably a few regrets as well. Right. We see Anne arrive at Leslie's office and she hands Leslie deets for yet another setup. But this time yeah. with Justin. And Leslie asks if it's going to be weird. Anne tells her, no, no, no. She thinks that they'll really like each other. And then she excuses herself for the next stop on what she called the pride swallowing tour of City Hall. And then <laughs> we see a few seconds later, she enters, I believe it's Mark's office and, yeah. and tells him that she set up Leslie with Justin and that she's sorry. And that, by the way, I, I rented, uh, you know, District 9 if you want to come over tonight and maybe you can spoil that for me as well. And we see Mark kind of smile, you know, like appreciatively. And he walks over and hugs her. And then we see her bend down and whisper something in her ear. <laughs> we just see Ed pull back and go, oh, my God. And he goes, right. Dark ending, right? So he spoiled that for too. Well, you know, this is, I wanted to mention this for you to wrap up the little talking head here. This is where there's a continuity error because in the standard cut, Mark does give away the ending to Marley and me, but in the producer's cut, that line is not there yet. This line is here in both cuts. So when he says, she says, Hey, do you want to come over and spoil that for me? We have zero context for that in the producer's guy. Like, what is she even talking I about? I see. Interesting. So it's still kind of funny that he spoils the movie and you're clear that that's what, what he does, but you don't understand why at all. So I just thought that was interesting. I, I agree. The last thing I'll say about the producer's cut is that it, it was interesting that there are things that they had in the standard version that they did not or opted not to have in the producer's cut. I thought that was a little bit of an interesting choice, but okay. That is an interesting choice. Yep. Well, this scene I think wraps up with that quick talking head, Mark. And I think that's all that's left. Right. This is basically the, the pre kicker, if you will. Uh, You know, Leslie enters Porter's grill for her date with Justin that night. And she just has a really quick talking head where she says, look, I'm back on the horse and this horse is a lawyer and I'm looking forward to riding him. Awkward pause. (laughs) Um, No, wait. (laughs) I love it. Is Porter's where um, I think she's maybe went here with Dave at one point. Yeah. This restaurant looked familiar to me. Yeah. That sounds right. I think you're right. We need to add this to our Pawnee locale map. (laughs) 
so we can orient ourselves better I for anyone who cares beyond us, what? which is probably nobody. Well, when I visit Pawnee, I want a, a list of the well, good yeah. eateries. I want to plug them in my GPS and just kind of tour the whole town. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just a few minutes from Bloomington. So, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. I think we should do it this weekend. Well, speaking of kickers, Mark, yes. I think that's all that we actually have left. It's going to happen here. It's the third day of this episode, and we start off at the bullpen, and uh, there's a little bit of a celebration happening. Yeah, Leslie and the gang are celebrating April being Ron's new assistant. Everybody has champagne, and everybody cheers, except a, a, a untraditionally grumpy a Jerry at his desk. Love it. And after toasting to April, you know, the gang kind of says, okay, let's get back to work. Jerry gets up and starts walking towards Ron's office, stopped by <laughs> April, you know, and then she's like, where are you going? I want to talk to Ron about the size of my desk. Jerry, you have to schedule an appointment. <laughs> okay, how about now? Ron's not here. He's right there. I can see him. I'll let you know when he's available. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, uh -huh. Jerry is a little pissed, but I mean, April scares him. So he walked away. April and Ron look at each other for a second, kind of hoist their cups. And the, the episode ends with Ron just whispering, at a girl. It's a ni <laughs> nice ending. Nice ending. And I think it's uh, apropos of her, why she's going to be good in this role for Ron. Yes. I, I, I love that this kind of, I think, introduces maybe the next tier of the Ron April pairing. I, I love yep, that duo. You know, I've got a note on that too here in our wrap up. Yep, so me too. Absolutely. Well, that was a great breakdown, Mark. I, I Thanks again. And I think we got that one pretty well done. And thanks everybody for listening to that. Why don't we take a real quick break? And when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up the episode and we'll give our scores and we'll all go home. Uh, sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. In general, I am not a fan of doctors or their fancy toys. We Swansons are a hearty bunch, and I do not like Big Brother looking over my shoulder. I like it even less, in fact, when Big Brother is looking directly into my ribcage. However, if you are in the market for an MRI, CT scan, or X-ray, then stay tuned. Pawnee Diagnostic Imaging, or PDI, has something for just about everyone. Whether you are a hypochondriac looking for yet another thing to worry about, enjoy making small talk loudly while trying to remain immobilized, or simply have an unhealthy fascination with peering inside of things, PDI is just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> That's a good one. <clears throat> in all seriousness, if you are truly in need of some medical-grade expository, PDI is here to be of service to you and the greater Pawnee community. Now offering state-of-the-art and mostly smudge-free equipment, PDI can help you understand exactly what it is that makes you tick, or possibly what it is that is preventing you from ticking to your fullest. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you and receive a free PDI refrigerator magnet. Please note, this should not, repeat, not be used inside the MRI machine. That's right, I'm talking to you, Jerry. Thank you. That is all. All 
All right, everybody. Well, we're back. So, Mark, I think we've got two big jobs left to do. We're going to talk about our first tropes, fun facts, goofs, all that great stuff. And then we're going to give our scores. And like I said, then we'll go home. Oh, that sounds like a plan. All right. Did you have a lot of uh, firsts and tropes? What do you got? You know, I did this week. I actually had quite a few. I'd say I had I had something in every category. So here here's what I will. How about if we do first first and then we'll we'll just move through the list. Yes. So my first were I said this is the first threat on lot 48. Mm. So, you know, it, it's now kind of Leslie's thing. It's no longer a pit. It's a lot. So, yay. They've already had a Christmas party on it. But now, gosh darn it, NorQuest Industries is the first of many threats that we'll have, I think, that want to take the lot away from its intended use for Leslie, at least, as a park. That's a good one. I, I didn't have that. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, I had a first John Ralphio appearance. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, played Ralphio. by the great Ben yeah. Schwartz. You got him right here. Leave a message. <laughs> I love that one so much. Um, and it only works when you say his name. But um, I said it's the first episode in the Justin arc. I'll call it that. I think it's fair to say we got what, four episodes, I think. He's a runner. With Justin. Yeah. Yeah. He's a runner. Yeah. And then it's the first in my mind instance, literal instance, maybe teased before, but where we see a little bit of animosity from April directed at Anne. What'd she do wrong? She's just anxious to nail Anne for something. I And I, it's almost like now that April's got her eyes on Andy, she wants to tear down Anne as part of her way of getting to Andy. I think that's her motivation. That's interesting. See, I, I don't know if I would agree with that or not. The only reason I say well, that- you should, because it's correct. <laughs> well, the only reason I say that though is it seems to me that she's had- uh, a little bit more of a laser focus towards Anne than other people in the past. I, although I could be wrong. I don't remember it yet. I mean, quite honestly, I've kind of, I knew it was one of the tropes we'd eventually have. And I right. think I've been kind of watching for it. And I felt like this marks the first real aggressive instance, let's call it that. Maybe, and that's what, it, maybe there were some subtle ones before this. So that's probably fair. You know what? I, I agree with you though. I think that this is the first time that we see her kind of up the ante. Like she's, yeah, she's gunning yeah. for her. <laughs> She's gunning for her. Yeah. yeah. Would you, did, did I have any first, or did you have any first that I missed? You covered almost all of them. I had one. I said, this is the first time where we see April is now officially employed with the parks department. Oh, very nice. Yep. Yeah, of course. No, that's a terrific one. Yeah. And again, like, like Andy moving into the shoeshine booth, it gave that character the reason to remain in the show that wasn't stupid or ridiculous. So there, there's one that I wasn't sure if it was a first or not, because honestly, I just can't remember. But it seemed to me that in this episode, there was a little bit, a tiny bit of a nemesis relationship, very, very small between April and Jerry. A little bit. Well, good point. I mean, certainly in her new role, Jerry's uncomfortable with somebody who can't even put paper, the only job she has in the copier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? right or printer or whatever, um, getting this role that is now going to obscure his direct access to his own boss. Right. Exactly. So, at a minimum, there's that. And, but I don't know that it ever really grew to it, really to no. a nemesis. And and you could kind of categorize a lot of April's PBJing him by PBJ, yeah. which everybody does. But everyone does. <laughs> Well, great segue. Mm-hmm. So on tropes, I started with PBJ and I note, noted April here, yep, right? Right. For sure. I guess there's, it's probably a little broader than that, but, um, you know, there, there is that. Did you have any other PBJ instances in your, uh, 
you know, punching bag Jerry instances on your list? Not, not this episode. Not really. I think that there were maybe a couple of times when April is kind of firing back little quips or snips at Jerry, but it's just, yeah. it kind of seems like they're having a little cat cat fight, not cat fight. A little yeah. bit of a nemesis moment. Is so, I, I think it's a teaser for what happens at the end of the episode. I think so you're I think right. It worked well. Yeah. Yeah. I did have an overprepared Leslie on the trope list here. Yep. Yeah, me I mean, too. I think we kind of said that in the episode breakdown. Um, and, and I had a Biden reference, you know, it's, I think this is probably the <laughs> third time <laughs> that Leslie has admitted she has this thing for Joe Biden, which, you know, at the time was hysterical. He was vice president of the United States at the time. And, and it's just so funny now with him as president and, uh, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there was a great, you know, reintroduction of a lot of those clips that happened even later in the, in the, in the series, you know, after he got inaugurated and it's just cool that Parks and Rec has got a a, kind of a place in the white house, so to speak. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, good call. I did have one goof, and I think I mentioned it earlier. Is that spoiling of the District Nine thing, right? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. the District Nine spoiler yep. just didn't make sense if you only watch the the producer's cut, which not everyone did. Right. But I'll tell you this: one of the reasons we spent so much time on it today, and if you were annoyed, I apologize. But here's why: Peacock is showing that version. So if you're in, in really, you know, the, yeah, if you're in North America, which means it's no longer Netflix here, and I know we have some international listers and. Hola, hello. Uh, I'm going to learn some other ways to say hello. Buongiorno. Uh, Buongiorno. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, Why are you so surprised when you say that? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Guten Tag. Uh, Wherever you are in the world, um, many people outside North America are getting now Parks and Rec on Netflix, which is great. Uh, We no longer have it. NBC has its own streaming service here called Peacock, and it has fully moved over there, just like The Office did. And they are airing the producer's cut. That, so that makes I think it sense. is relevant if, if, you know, if this happens to really truly be your first time through, welcome aboard. And uh, we were glad to walk you through it. But um, that was the only goof I had. Interesting. Well, I mean, thanks for the clarification on Peacock. I honestly didn't know that. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, and again, I, 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 we're nerds and we enjoy breaking these <laughs> things down this way. And I, I don't want to bore people. And, you know, if, if, if that's, if you think we're, if you don't, if you're not into that, that's then, you know, forgive us this week. We probably won't do this quite to the level again, but it's the first time we've really mentioned that there's that distinction out there now. And the version you, ma- you watch, it, it does clearly matter. Right. Things are different in the CD version versus the version that aired on the on NBC back in the day versus where what you can get access to today. And frankly, I don't know what's on the Netflix version that's not airing in America in North America. So um, you know, write in and let us know. I'd be curious. Yeah, me too. Good call. Yeah. Did you have any fun facts? I, I think that I mentioned at the top of the show, Will Arnett and Amy Poehler were married at the time they did this episode. They're no longer married, but still apparently good friends, according to both of them. Um, you know, and they've got a child together. So, um, but that was the only fun fact I had, if you even want to call it that. I mean, the only thing I would say is something we've already covered, which is this is, uh, you know, uh, Leslie, you could start with triplets right away. Oh, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, if you've seen the series, you know what we're talking about. If not, we won't spoil it for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So, well, Mark, for me, that's it. I, I didn't have anything else. I, I Are you ready to move into scoring? I am ready to move into scoring. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Well, ha- here's an idea. Why don't you go first this week? Alan, I that's okay. I have a better idea. I'm going to go first this week. Oh, okay. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. I like a better one, I say. Love it. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, this was, I thought, a pretty darn solid episode. Um. 
as I go through the, the, you know, the little character arcs, as I like to think about it, you know, I, I thought Amy Poehler did a great job through the whole episode. This is arguably kind of a kind of an Amy uh, or a Leslie centric episode. Um, yep. I love the awkward, uh, weird banter uh, that she had all of it with Chris on their first date. I like how she persists in trying to be kind no matter what, even when she's about had it with him because, you know, creepy um, <laughs> Ron. Surprisingly, you know, he didn't have a lot of screen time, not really, yeah. but he was very, very effective in the scenes that he was in. Yeah. I thought he had a solid performance. Um, His facial expressions speak volume, if nothing else. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Him and April together, they don't have to say a word, and it just cracks no, me up. No, do not. Yep. <laughs> um, Tom, I love the crazy interview <clears throat> tactics. I uh, love the introduction of John Ralphio, who is basically, you know, another Tom. Uh, so, yeah. you know, good good on him. Um, April. And Andy, both good performances from both as always, you know, for April, great plot point where she becomes Ron's assistant. Uh, I think that April has good interactions with both Andy and Ron. Andy, good performance and and not used to uh, not. He wasn't used a lot in this episode, but he was used well to kind of breathe fresh air into the plot. I did want to make one point. It's very rare that Andy would have what I'll call the moral high ground with Anne. And that's a great and, point. And, and maybe the first time we've ever seen it. Maybe. And yeah, I like that. It was different. And I like that he could like, you know, call her out a little bit on that. Cause you know, well, yeah. good enough. Um, it pissed me off a little bit that it seems like maybe he's backsliding into his pining for Anne. Andy, I'm going to have to give you a little tap in the back of the head. If you keep doing that, you, cause April's got the puppy dog guys for you. You got to recognize. Yeah. Um, and First of all, Ann and Mark, I thought they both did a really good job of giving off like realistic, believable vibes regarding just all the awkward relationship stuff. I mean, you can get on to all the cheesy like, oh, we're fighting or we're fighting. But, you know, I felt like they both acted in a way that was consistent with just feeling vulnerable and awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I, totally agree. I also like how Ann swallowed her pride at the end to make amends. Like she wasn't so proud that she just continued to be defensive because she really is a nice person overall. Um. My only complaint here, I guess, would be Donna and Jerry got fairly low usage. I mean, that happens sometimes. You and I have talked about this before when we have good guest stars because, you know, the time's got to come from somewhere. Um, yep. Donna had especially low usage, I thought. Jerry had some, you know, PBJ moments and the nice semi-nemesis moments that I uh, mentioned with April. So whatever. Um, <clears throat> but overall, I thought this was a very strong episode. Um, so here's Mark's score. I'm going to give this... Uh, a 4.0 base score. So not okay. bad. Pretty, pretty good. No, um, pretty good. I got some bonus points. I'm going to give a half point for a nice guest spot by Will Arnett as Chris. I thought he did a great job. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the realistic vibes from Ann and Mark over the, the relationship stuff. So Rashida, nice. Rashida Jones and Paul Schneider. Good job. Um, yep. I'm going to give another half point for Tom's, <laughs> for Tom's ridiculous interview tactics. It just made me laugh. Um, I'm going to give a whole point to what I thought was an iconic moment that I always remember from the series, April slamming Ron's door on Tom and then becoming Ron's assistant. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, yeah. I'm going to give another point for a, another iconic moment, which was Tom's introduction of, of Jean Ralphio and Ron threatening to punch Tom in the face. <laughs> Just cracks me up. Um, and I'm going to give one more half point for what I thought was the perfect ending, you know, here's to anticipating okay. more from the Ron April duo. I thought that was a very yeah. sweet moment. So you add all those up. So many numbers, my God. 
Um, and we get to a final score of eight little Sebastians for me. You know, I thought this was another good solid season two episode. I don't rank this quite as high as some of the, uh, uh, of the classics we've seen like Ron and Tammy or, or the camel yep. hunting trip, but it's still darn near the top. So, okay. Great analysis, Mark, and uh, good, good, good explanation of how you got to your score. I, I love the way you do that. I like the, I like your base score plus points. You know, uh, I, you know, I don't do any of that. I, you I, don't do any I, of that. I just don't. No, no. I pretty much wait till I hear your score and then I make a decision, higher or lower. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit like prices of right for me. Either that or card so, sharks. Okay, go ahead. Whatever it takes, Bob. Yeah, yeah. or Larry or whoever the host of that was. Who was those? I don't know. Uh, it was Chuck. It's not going to not gonna work. Oh, yeah, it was Chuck. You're right. It was Chuck. Yeah. So back in two and two, Chuck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice yeah, reference. I like that. I do. Yeah. Thank you. All the kids got that. Late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's only funny to Mark and I, yep. like most of the show. So anyway, uh, I, I would say here, my real quick, my score overall, very little, you know, I did, this was not a great episode in terms of balance. We've talked about how some of them mm, are, yeah. you know, cause we had such deficit at the, uh, you know, starting kind of at not the bottom of the list, but from a screen time perspective, the bottom of the list, Jerry and Donna, right. you know, Jerry had some lines, was a bit of punching bag, some funny stuff there was, I enjoyed it for sure. Donna had some good lines, right? But only a few. Yeah. So they just, they just didn't get enough screen time. They never do. We love them so much. Right. You know, I did like Mark kind of standing up for himself here in this episode. And, you know, it is the first time, not only for Andy, but maybe for Mark as well, where Anne doesn't have the high ground and she's kind of the bad guy, if you will, of a nature in a very human and relatable way, for sure. Right. I mean, I agree. no one's going to, it's not evil or anything. Um, but yeah, normally Anne's been this moral compass for Leslie and for the, for the parks department and, and Tom and everyone else. Um, it's interesting to see her not that here and maybe, you know, subject to some criticism of her own for the first time, you know, and then kind of moving on through the list. I, I, I didn't, like you, I did not enjoy that Andy seemed to be backsliding a little bit. And yet I thought it was a good creative use of backing Mark's play in terms of that moral high ground thing with Anne. I agree. Just kind of pointing out the fact that, you know, this is a weak spot for her. She's got something for Justin. She's never been able to admit it before. You know, it's nice here at the end. She finally does. She apologizes to, to Leslie and, you know, and, and kind of holding him, so to speak, as Donna put it. And, and she apologizes to Mark and she does the right thing as Ann always does. So that was good. Absolutely. Um, you know, Ron, like you said, just I love watching Ron deal with the public. I think it's one of my favorite things in the whole episode. And, you know, when the people are in there just screaming at him about how bad their pottery is and how that should be his fault and there isn't enough seating and just it's great. And, and it does set up the great storyline, which lets us give April a permanent gig here, which I don't know. It's just everything came together in this episode. I really liked it, you know. I'm like you, though. It wasn't in terms of season two, my, one of my top favorites, but it's up there in the top five or six for sure. I think we're in this interesting spot in season two storyline arcs where um, we've had a couple higher scores already and we're going to have some higher scores again before we exit season two. And if you're a lull in season two, if you want to call it, that is this eight, which mine is also an eight today. Mm. That's pretty damn good. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we've said this before. This ain't no two and a half men. And, you know, if you're getting an eight on your bad day, so to speak, uh, you're a good show. And Parks and Rec is a good show and always remains a good show. 
Nicely done. I, yeah. First of all, I, I agree with you that I'm right, that my score is correct. Uh, that's the most important, but no, <laughs> we figured that would be the most important. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 right. Constantine. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way that you had analysis on Anne and basically what you said was you can be a moral compass and a good person and still be freaking human. And it's nice to see yeah. that it's kind of endearing in a way. And what is also endearing is that you can be, you can kind of screw up and you can come back from it. That's even yeah. better. Well, isn't that life and what we all want from it? I mean, I yeah. hate to get too deep here on the podcast about the sitcom, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you had characters, like just talk about it truly from a storytelling perspective, if characters are always good or always only bad, I don't think they're interesting. That's not interesting. Right? No. Yeah. No. Like take a show like, you know, Lucifer, which I don't watch, but I know people like it. And I think it's it's probably continued to be successful because they found a way to make the bad guy relatable at times. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, this is a little different, but kind of the same thing where, you know, if Anne were always perfect, you'd be annoyed by her. Right. It's nice to see a little bit of human side here. And, you know, Tom fluctuates between the two Toms. <laughs> he's got the gravity of John Ralphio here. So we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, sometimes he's sweet Tom and sometimes he's kind of sleazy Tom. And we got a little bit of both today. Well, you, Mostly sleazy. You know, Alan, I would actually, I like that. And I would even go a little bit farther with that. And I know in the past, I mean, I love Rashida Jones. I think she does a great job. However, I think sometimes the character of Anne can be a little bland and a little boring. And maybe part of that is because she's so frequently yeah. good. I, not yeah. that it's a bad thing, but for what? Well, hmm. yeah, no, it's true. And Anne's going to have her existential crisis as a character that's not coming up. Yep. And I think they finally figured out that they needed to write her storyline better than Leslie's awesome best friend. Right. She can't just be Leslie's support system. She has to have yeah. her own little thing going on. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, what's she doing there? Right. Right. It's already pretty implausible that she's at the parks department as much as she is not being an employee. I, so. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mark, I, I think that that about does it, you know, a couple eights here, like we said, you know, good scores, um, anxious to see what's coming up here in the next few weeks in terms of the other episodes in season two, you know, here with this episode, we're in January, which means we're about halfway through the season. So I'm looking forward to the second half of season two and breaking it down with you, Mark. Me too. It's going to be great. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining today. We'll be back next week with Leslie's house and we look forward to breaking down that episode for you. All right. Bye everyone. All right. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Thank you.